And good morning, and we continue counting you down on this cold, cold morning. The temperature gauge says uh, 51, but if you are not in the sun out here on Tiger Stadium, uh, I think in Louisiana anything below 50, we get cold, and it is chilly. The wind is blowing. It's going to be a chilly, chilly, but beautiful day here in Tiger Stadium as the LSU Tigers, 14th in the coaches' poll, 16th in the AP, come in and take on the Florida Gators, who are 21st in the AP and 18th in the coaches' poll, coming off a 20-7 win over South Carolina. Basically, Florida put today, if they win, they punch their ticket to the SEC championship game in a few weeks to take on the Alabama Crimson Tide. LSU has this game this week, and then it's robbery week next week. Thursday, Thanksgiving night at 6.30, they take on Texas A&M. And next week, Florida visits Doe Campbell Stadium to take on their rival in Tallahassee, the Florida State Seminoles. So a lot on the line for both ball clubs, including a berth in the Sugar Bowl for LSU, should they win out and Alabama take care of Auburn next Saturday in the Iron Bowl. Want to get involved in the conversation, 504-260-1870. You can text us at 870-870. Still yet to come, Chris Lowe of ESPN and ESPN.com giving us his take on the rest of the SEC and what Coach Ogeron has done in five games. He's 4-1 and one now and dating back to when uh, he was at USC. Now uh, Coach Ogeron going over there when he was in the contest at the uh, Trojans, now going back nine victories he has and uh, three losses with a chance to finish at 11-3. and three. Very impressive, including a win when he was at USC over third-ranked uh, Stanford and uh, also talking about the schedule he had at SC at that point in time, turning that program around. He has turned this program around, and many feel that he deserves a shot at the job. And earlier this week, LSU Athletic Director Joe Oliva releasing a statement to the fans, basically saying that he is actively working very hard to bring LSU the best possible football coach, and he wants to have this thing locked up very soon after the end of the regular season, which would be one week from uh, Thursday, this past Thursday night, Thanksgiving night. So a week from now at this time, LSU would already have wrapped up their regular season. Jeff Palermo will be with us later in the program as well. What difference have you seen in LSU? What about last week against Arkansas coming out? I mean, they LSU looked like a ball club that all of the, I guess, the fan talk, the hype, and well, you know, you lose Alabama, the season's over. They, they, look, they didn't look anything like that. And LSU looked like the Arkansas team that had won the boot the last couple of years. I mean, they were excited. They had a lot to play for. And, you know, they, there were some videos that had surfaced on Instagram and Bleacher Report afterwards of the players celebrating in the locker room. I mean, that that is what you have to do. You know, you can't – it can't be a situation that whereas, you know, you have a, a hangover or this is not the bowl we wanted to go to. Like the last three Sugar Bowls, for instance, Alabama has been to. And I'm not bashing Alabama, but, you know, it has been basically – well, you know, other than the Ohio State one when it was for the playoffs – well, we didn't really want to be there. Well, Utah wanted to be there. Oklahoma wanted to be there. And Ohio State and Ezekiel Elliott wanted to be there. And that's why Alabama had it handed to them in the last three Sugar Bowls. You can't just show up be one lopsided. Both teams, you got to come out and play. And that's what happened. And LSU played extremely well last week. And what they have done is put up some historic numbers in the last five uh, games. And I don't know what's going to happen. But I know taking full advantage of his opportunity is certainly is what Coach Ed Ogeron has done. And looking at what the LSU media department has done and putting together some of the numbers, LSU is still the only team in the nation that has not allowed more than 21 points in a game this season, 21 points or less in every single game. They have only been scored on in the third quarter once this season, and that was way back in week one at Lambeau Field against the Wisconsin Badgers, who are now a top-seven team in the nation. They've allowed just 10 touchdowns all season long. That's the fewest in the nation. 
and 21st quarter points in 16 in the second quarter. That also leads the nation as well. So in the 12 quarters of, of the LSU tenure under Coach Ogeron, 12 of the 20 teams have been held scoreless and it's scoreless in the first half of games and against Alabama and Missouri and also in the second half against Ole Miss. So a lot of numbers there. And, boy, some of these defenders, LSU could have a lot of their names heard on draft day 2017. Kendall Beckwith now is currently second in the conference, entering the last couple of weeks of the season against uh, tackles. He has 90 and 10 per game, which is second. Auden Key is still second in the – leads the SEC in sacks and third in total sacks with nine. Duke Riley is sixth in the league in tackles. It was 73, 8.31 tackles per contest. So there you have it. The LSU defense has been phenomenal. It'll be key again today. Can LSU put some pressure on Florida early, much like Arkansas did a few weeks ago in Fayetteville when Arkansas got their pick six and basically just jumped on Florida and made them play from behind. We'll take a timeout. When we come back, we'll take a look at the two quarterbacks in this matchup today, Etling and Appleby, once both at the University of Purdue, now here in Baton Rouge starting today for Florida and LSU. Count you down to the Tigers and the Florida Gators. A little afternoon kickoff today on WWL. And the point after, after the locker room show this evening on Tiger Radio, 870 AM and FM at 105.3, this is WWL. He is one of the top writers and voices in all of college football of ESPN and ESPN.com. Chris Lowe joins us now, SEC Insider. Chris, thank you so much for the time. And, you know, looking back, uh, I guess, Chris, you know, going into that LSU and Auburn game, right, right around that time, a perfect storm up in the northeast, a perfect storm out in, you know, in the Pacific West, uh, out in California, where question marks were at USC, question marks were at Penn State, and basically with A&M with a hot start, seemingly Kevin Sumlin was kind of quiet at the time, question marks were going to be about what would happen that Sunday morning to the loser of LSU and Auburn. And we actually found out that Sunday afternoon. But seemingly since then, Chris, USC has quieted down. Now they're in line for their conference championship. Same thing for Penn State. Both of those coaches have gone from the outhouse to possible candidates for coach of the year. Now Coach Ogeron is hot in Baton Rouge. Gus Malzahn seemingly safe in Auburn. And Kevin Sumlin now on the hot seat. Been a crazy, crazy year involved with those programs. But your take, Chris, on now down the stretch in this SEC, we know what you know. It's a big question mark who will be named the LSU coach. But other than that, is there some smoke? Is there some fire in College Station with Kevin Sumlin over there? <laughs> you know, my thing is in the SEC, you're always on the hot seat. I don't yeah. care where where you are. It only takes you know a couple games. You know, bad stretch in the season. Kevin's problem is that for the first straight year, it looks like unless. They get it going here the last couple of games. They're going to collapse down the stretch. You know, that's, yeah. you're losing three or five, four or six, whatever you want to call it. But mm-hmm. that's a bad, uh, that's a bad pattern. And when you pay a guy five million dollars a year, and you know you you spent, gosh, they spent four hundred or four hundred to four hundred fifty million dollars on the stadium, on on upgrades to facilities. I mean, they spent a ton of money, and they have a lot of money. They know, I think they know Kevin about ten million dollars. But at Texas A&M, you know, that's not the kind of money that would deter – that's not enough money that would deter him – deter them from not bringing him back if they felt like he wasn't the guy. No, I think he is in trouble if um, this continues these next two weeks. Certainly if LSU goes, you know, beats him. Um, now, it, it depends on 
who's there, what they want to do. Is, is Tom Herman their guy? Who would they go get? I don't think you just fire Kevin unless you've got a, a, a specific plan. But, no, I think he's um, he's on shaky ground right now for sure. And, Chris, when you when you look at it, and for instance, we could, we could throw a few programs that are out there that, you know, obviously Georgia is, you know, I think there's a certain amount of uh, expectation and patience when you have a coaching change. The longest tenure coach in the league uh, leaves and goes to another school and Mark Rick and Coach Smart is there. And, you know, Coach Freeze uh, dropping some games that, you know, Ole Miss was looking good early in. But I, I think when you look at those programs on the back end, they have seen a level of excitement because they know what's on the future and they have some good young quarterbacks at Georgia, and then of course last week with Shea Patterson and Ole Miss with a chance to win their last two, but the rest, the rest of the SEC, quarterback wise, you know, are the quarterbacks better than than what we thought? Uh, you know, Chris, I mean, do we read anything that today in two teams that have basically been you know contending in each of their conferences and you know each of their divisions are starting backup quarterbacks from the University of Purdue, Appleby at Florida and Etling here in Baton Rouge? Just you know, a lot of people I think nationally, especially early in the season before Jalen started doing well, Dobbs had a hot start then cooled off. Is that you know the SEC or the Power Five by far has the worst quarterback play? Overall, when when you look, what is it about? Is that is that a misconception, uh, uh, Chris, uh, or, or is it a situation where some of the other programs, LSU has not had a quarterback that they needed to be have for a long amount of time. Other schools have. What is it about the quarterback position in in the SEC? Is it is it far behind other conferences? No, I think it I think it has been, and now it's it's, it's cyclical. We've seen the SEC when they've been outstanding at quarterback, or certainly they've had guys. At the top, who were elite, mm-hmm. but no, I mean across across the league, there's been way too many misses at that at that position. There've been guys who haven't developed like those, those staffs thought they would, or, or maybe those staffs haven't done a good enough job of developing quarterbacks. Um, no, I think it's uh, I think that's a fair. The other that's a fair point. That it's just the quarterback play did not measure up, and, and, and the, you know the, the frustrating thing about that for SEC fans is. Nobody recruits better than the SEC. Nobody. Three mm-hmm. other positions, seemingly. But quarterback has been um, a sticking point. I'll tell you what else, especially in the East. People say, what, what happened to the East, Eastern Division? Well, the, the offensive lines over in the East uh, have also been really, really uh, average to bad. And when you couple that with, with average to bad quarterback play, then you get what you, you've seen this year in the East Division. You know, not very good football, certainly not consistent football. Now, here's the good news. That's the bad news. The good news is I think it's getting ready to change the quarterback. Look look at the young guys across the league. Dale Hurts, who's had a brilliant year for a true freshman. He's only mm-hmm. going to get better, okay? Mm-hmm. When he starts throwing the ball more accurately, look out. Uh, South Bentley kid, he's another true freshman. I love the Eastern kid, Georgia, true freshman. Tennessee's got a kid they registered, Jared Garantano, who's going to play next year. They really like him. Uh, Florida's got a couple that they're registered. Kyle Trask, they really like those guys. The kid at Mississippi State is a sophomore, so he's young. There's some guys around the league when you start looking at, at players. Uh, you mentioned Shea Patterson at Ole Miss, you know, who's a, a true freshman. I think within the next year or two across the league, you're going to see an uprising of quarterbacks, and you're going to see that position be more talented. The question there, though, I guess closer to home with you guys is, who's that guy that lets you? 
Chris Lowe is our special guest, ESPN Insider for the SEC, ESPN and ESPN.com. And, Chris, you know, the, the, seemingly going back to the BCS, things always shook out. We were always kind of like, well, what's going to happen and, and this? And lo and behold, you'd have an upset down the stretch of the season. You'd have a four-touchdown underdog in, uh, you know, Pitt and West Virginia. That would knock West Virginia off. And then somehow LSU and Ohio State climbed back up after late-season losses and played for the 07 championship. And when you look right now at the Louisville's loss the other night, Chris, there are five teams – that are either one is undefeated Alabama and the other four with one loss. Seemingly that would be where the committee wants to argue is among those one-loss teams, and you could separate about, okay, well, who wins a conference championship or not. Where it gets sticky is if you have a team, let's say, like a Colorado that runs a table, and they're looking at, well, wow, look at their two losses to a USC team, also to a Michigan ball club. If Michigan State were to help the committee out and beat Penn State, that would be probably the best thing. If not, you're looking maybe at a number two Ohio State team that runs a table and can't even play for their conference championship. Do you think, Chris, like moving forward, has there been a sentiment out there that, oh, we need to open things up, or in a couple weeks, are some of those same things going to fall into place, and a lot of the things that we're seeing right now, they'll be answered because – Although there's two regular season games left and one championship week, that's a lot of football left to be played. Boy, it is. And, and just look at the last two weeks, Steve. Look, look at Thursday night mm-hmm. at that Houston Louisville game. Who saw that? And then last weekend, you got three of the four losing the top four. So I, I beg you, we've got more chaos in front of us. I mean, there's going to be some more of that type of thing. And typically, November does get a little weird. You know, the closer you get to the finish mm-hmm. line, the harder it is for teams to sustain it. You know this. It's hard to go unbeaten in college football. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, how do you explain Michigan losing to Iowa last week? I mean, Iowa's not a very good football team. So I think we're going to see more of that. And I'll tell you what we might see this year that we haven't seen. You know, we haven't seen the last two years an upset in the conference championship games. Those mm-hmm. have sort of gone to form. What happens if you're talking about a game that's played the day before the committee has to make a selection? Um, Imagine, say, Clemson losing in its conference championship game. Imagine Alabama getting knocked off. Um, how how crazy would that get? I think Bama mm-hmm. is probably the only team, though, that could afford to lose and still get in here down the stretch. Yeah. I think, the, 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 to me, and you mentioned this, the scenario that I think is most fascinating is if Ohio State wins out, okay, which I think they will, Mm-hmm. And Penn State wins out. Remember, Penn State plays at Rutgers today. They should win that. Then they come back mm-hmm. home and play Michigan State. Now, I don't know if that'll be a walkover, but Michigan State has not played well. If that happens, Penn State's going to the Big Ten Championship and not Ohio State. Mm-hmm. So if Penn State wins that Penn, the Big Ten Championship game, they're the Big Ten champions, and they would have a head-to-head win over Ohio State. I don't see any way the committee – could take Ohio State over Pitt State in that scenario, even though I think if they played 20 times deep, Ohio State would win 19. I think they're a better football team. Now, would Ohio State get in two? I think they might, but it would depend on probably what happens in the Pac-12, what happens elsewhere. So I think you're right. I think there's a lot that's still got to shake out down the stretch. Uh, Right now, I think probably it's Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, and then either Washington, Washington, Michigan possibly, or Penn State instead if they went out. I, I like the fact though that we have a little bit of a human element element on that committee. You know, you're not sure if they look are they looking more at the eye test or how a team's playing right now, more their whole body of work. I think it's a little bit of the above. You asked me about the playoff, where does it stand? I like four teams right now. I'd like to see this evolve over the next 
three to four or five years, and let's sort of have a bigger body of work to assess before we go to a bigger playoff. Chris Lowe, one of the best in the business, ESPN and ESPN.com, constantly working hard. Chris, how can people keep up with you on social media? Uh, at CeeLo ESPN. At CeeLo ESPN. Chris, as always, thank you so much for the time, my man, and we will talk again to you very soon. Yeah, take care. All right, Chris Lowe, ESPN, ESPN.com. A CBS News update. One of the most respected and uh, trusted names in all of sports here in Louisiana, Louisiana Network Sports Director and columnist at WWL.com, a longtime uh, a co-worker that I've had a chance and a pleasure to be around. Jeff Palermo joined us now talking Tiger football. And Jeff, coming into today's game, a tight series between the Gators and the Tigers. LSU's really tightened this thing up, dominated the last handful of years, 31-28-3. LSU can pull as close as they've been in this series in quite a long time. The 63rd meeting takes place a little afternoon this afternoon. And a lot on the line, Jeff, uh, for both of these ball clubs. There was still always a lot to play for. We go back to, you know, the the, seri- the time at this point in this series, whoever won this game would go on and win their division and represent, you know, from 05, 06, 07, and 08. Always a touch, tough stretch. One of these two were in the SEC championship representing the East or the West, the winner of that contest from the uh, Urban Meyer days, uh, you know, Ron Zook days, Steve Spurrier, so forth. It's always been the one constant, LSU and Florida. And today, a lot on the line for both programs. Florida with a chance to get to -to back-to-back SEC title games. If they win, they're going to Atlanta. If LSU wins, Jeff, and they get some help next week in the Iron Bowl and take care of A&M, they would have a huge uh, bowl game uh, January 2nd in the Sugar Bowl against likely maybe a Big 12 team like Oklahoma or West Virginia. So uh, there is a lot, lot on the line, and maybe the most on the line, Jeff, uh, for an LSU and Florida game that kicked off at noon in the history of this series. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh, I mean, this has got enough drama for a two thirty or seven o'clock kickoff. This it, it deserves a better time slot. <laughs> it certainly does. But uh, Florida is, of course, part of the agreement said they didn't want to play uh, after two thirty. And since ESPN had the first rights of the game, uh, the game's being played at noon because they're going to put it on the SEC network. But uh, you're right. Uh, there, there's a lot on the line. You know, it, it, the game. Oh, there's just so many other storylines. It seems like I think people forget, you know, what this game could mean for the short-term future because you know all the speculation is on who's going to be LSU's head coach, uh, all the injuries that Florida has, uh, the, the fact that the game was moved, and then you just kind of forget what this mean this game means for both programs. And then you also, I think it's also part of the just how bad the SEC East is. You don't realize that Florida can can wrap things up here today. So um, a lot on the line. Both teams are going to be highly motivated, hopefully for LSU. Uh, the whole state game at Tiger Stadium plot theory uh, doesn't doesn't hurt them here in tonight's game, and they come out and they play really well. And, you know, Jeff, both of these programs are, are using what's, what's irony, I guess, is that backup quarterbacks, transfer quarterbacks from Purdue, Appleby at uh, Florida who had a – you know, he, he looked inspired last week. The luxury of having the SEC Network, they replay a lot of the games. They replay the LSU-Arkansas game several times through the week. They also played LSU, excuse me, Florida and South Carolina. And Florida pretty much did the most of their damage offensively uh, in the first half of that contest against South Carolina. But when you, when you look at these programs, uh, they're both hoping to move to a better situation quarterback-wise 
passed this year. I don't know if currently uh, what Florida has. Uh, you know, we talked to some people in the media. They like Felipe Franks. He, you know, maybe he came in a little more raw than possible, but they feel like that they may have that guy on campus. LSU forward, moving forward, Jeff, I'm not sure if that's the case. They need to get their quote-unquote guy on campus like Georgia has, like Ole Miss has. Although those teams had good quarterbacks the last few years, they continue to get good players at that position. LSU needs a run at that, Jeff, moving forward. Whoever the coach is from moving forward, that person is going to really need to, you know, recruit a lot better and land a lot better at the quarterback position. Jeff Palermo with us here at uh, www.com, 260-1870. You can text us at 870-870. We'll get back to Jeff here in just a moment. But talking about the quarterback situation, LSU fans may remember that Felipe Franks was a guy that was coveted for the Tigers for such a long time, and then uh, he wound up signing with the University of Florida. But, Jeff, well, what we were asking you was about the quarterback position, and certainly moving forward is that whoever winds up with the LSU coaching job, that is going to be something that they're going to have to uh, improve on. Speaking of improving, one thing LSU has improved under Coach O has been defense. And uh, as much as Alabama gets the headlines, and rightfully so, because they're going to have a ton of people on that side of the football drafted, this LSU defense has been phenomenal, Jeff, and that has been the one constant. Uh, more so times, even during this stretch, and when LSU has not been so solid at quarterback, they've consistently leaned on the defense. But these last five games, we're seeing a five-game stretch, Jeff, that's one of the one of the longest and best stretches of Tiger defense we've seen in a while. I, I would agree. I would agree with you, uh, Deke. I, I think this is their this defense has uh, definitely, I think, exceeded expectations as far as what we thought that they can do. We knew they were going to be pretty good. I didn't, you know, I, I don't know if we thought it could be this good as far as how they've been just really able to smother teams, not really allow more than a touchdown in a game offensively. Uh, you know, it started off, they played so well in that game against Wisconsin, and uh, it just carried on. And we've seen other prior LSU defense, it seems like, really play well in the month of September and October, and it just kind of fade away as the season goes along. Uh, you know, even you go back to like the 2007 national championship team with Bo Pelini, that, that defense wasn't as good in November as it was in uh, September when they, you know, mm-hmm. totally, totally outmatched a, a Virginia Tech team that season. So uh, this defense has been good from start to finish. Um, they got a, they, there's just a lot of talent there. There's a lot of guys. There's a, some early round draft picks on that defense with, Kendall Beckwith and Arden Key and Jamal Adams and Tredavious White. Um, so they, they've played really well. And um, off, you know, offensively, if they just had a, a little – you just kind of sometimes wish you had those first two games back. You, you know, the first two games against Wisconsin and Auburn. And if this team was any different, if, if there was a different head coach other than Les Miles, what, what the difference would have been. Um, if they didn't have a quarterback that was struggling against uh, Wisconsin, where this team would be. Because if they had won those two games, um, you'd be talking about a team that's entering the uh, college football, would be in the hunt for the college football playoff despite a loss to Alabama. And just speaking of that, what we were talking about before I uh, accidentally hit the wrong button and lost you there for a minute, whoever gets the, the job moving forward, 
uh, they're going to have to do a much better job at, at identifying what they want to do, first of all, offensively, but landing that quarterback position. Because you see, I mean, Chad Kelly goes down against Georgia Southern. They start Shea Patterson, and in about a half, Ole Miss has their quarterback for the future already set on that performance, and, and they felt like it was going to be him. But, they, you know, Pellegrin was the backup, and they said, Hugh Freeze says, no, we're going to go ahead and play Patterson now. Uh, Easton's at Georgia. Hurts is at Alabama. So LSU is going to have to get better at recruiting at that quarterback position. No doubt about it. And I saw when Shea Patterson was a sophomore at um, Calvary Baptist. Mm-hmm. And he was – and I've been covering high school football in the state for a long time. He was the best quarterback I've ever seen in this state. And that was mm-hmm. a guy that LSU had to get. Uh, they had his brother here as a graduate assistant, and they still couldn't get him to come to LSU. And I'm sorry, that's an indictment on Les Miles' staff. That they and him that they weren't able to get him here, weren't able to attract him here. I don't blame him from going to Ole Miss. You look at how Ole Miss quarterbacks and what they're able to do and what LSU quarterbacks can do, it, it makes perfect sense for him to go there. But that's where Jimbo Fisher has the leg up over Ed Orgeron in that he does have the history of going out, recruiting a quarterback, developing a quarterback, and making that, first, that, that quarterback a first-round draft pick in the NFL. So if Jimbo is truly interested in LSU, that's where he has the huge advantage over Coach Orgeron because we don't know if Coach O can do that. We, we, we just don't. Uh, he, what, what, he's, what they've done here with Danny Etling, with him and Steve Edsinger, has been nice. It's been a great story. It's been a pleasant surprise. Has he been spectacular and wowed you like Shea Patterson did in a win last week? No, he, he, hasn't, he hasn't rallied the team and basically uh, – single-handedly won football games for you. He's been a very nice compliment to what is a good offense. But as we've seen in this series against Alabama, LSU needs a difference maker at quarterback in order to beat the Crimson Tide. You need a guy that can beat one of the best defenses in the nation. And what we saw from Etling, uh, no offense to him, was that Alabama just completely rattled him and he, he wasn't able to do much. So, that, that's the big thing. I, I mean, you, that's the, the one strike right now against Coach O. And, and finally, Jeff, uh, we heard, got the statement from Joe Oliva this week. Uh, and I, and I, you know, I think we have to hold him to his word. So if you go by what he says and what, what he wants to have in place, he wants to have a coach uh, not far after LSU goes final against A&M. So I would imagine that Monday, Jeff, after Thanksgiving, uh, the 1st of December, going to the SEC Championship weekend on December 3rd, we should know who the next coach at LSU would be. Well, rumors at this time next week are going to be flying all over the place. You're right. Sure. I mean, that's that. That's why you make a, a change like you did with West Miles in the middle of the season. It gives you a jump start, gives you an idea of what you want to do with your head coaching position, gives you a chance to talk with other coaches uh, through back channels. And then once that regular season wraps up, I mean, if it's if it truly is Jimbo Fisher, then once they play Florida next week, Sunday morning, there needs to be that conversation, that serious conversation. This is something that does not need to to linger. If it does, if we're sitting here uh, middle of December, it's December fifteenth, and LSU still doesn't have a head coach, I think that would be very disappointing. So uh, it is kind of it is kind of <laughs> strange here. You know, we've been talking about this whole head coaching thing ever since. They fired Miles at the end of September, but here we are. We got two regular season games left. The regular season ends Thursday. It's, it's fast approaching, so 
this thing is finally going to come to a head and all the talk and uh, you know it should coach O stay Jimbo Tom Herman uh, whoever else Larry Fedora whoever else is out there uh, this thing is going to come to a head really really quick so uh, I guess buckle your seatbelts because it could be a wild ride next weekend once LSU gets uh, done with the regular season. And finally, Jeff, Jeff, LSU in Florida, quickly give me your prediction. Well, I said, uh, you know, LSU 28-10. to 10. That's what I put in the, the column on WWL.com. I think, I think it might be closer than that now that I think about it a little bit more. Uh, just because of the day game factor, LSU might get off to a little bit of a slow start, but I still like the Tigers to win. Jeff Palermo at Jeff Palermo LRN, Louisiana Network Sports Director, columnist at WWL.com. Jeff, as always, thank you so much for the time. Jeff, it's chilly out here. Bundle up, my man. <laughs> All right, Zeke. Sounds good. All right. Still yet to come. Breakdown. We'll get our keys to the game, and I grill T-Bob Bear on the battle in the trenches between the Gators and the Tigers. Count you down to LSU in Florida, a 12-07 kickoff this afternoon here on WWL. 19 seniors will be honored today, and they're going out in style, a chance to get to 5-1 and one in their last six games and have a remarkable schedule here at home that features a, a unique season in which LSU picked up uh, their power from the east in a home game, coming off a thrilling contest in which they fell 0-10 to to Alabama. And T-Bob Abe, of course, being a former Tiger himself, knows exactly what it's about. And T-Bob, senior day today in Tiger Stadium, and uh, senior day in many ways because not only the official seniors, T-Bob, there are some juniors that will be playing their final game in a Tiger uniform in Tiger Stadium this afternoon as well. Yeah, and it's a much more interesting senior day than I think originally planned when you look at uh, this game was supposed to be South Alabama. That was going to be an easy win. It was a very safe senior day. This one, not nearly as safe, but as you've talked about, vastly more interesting. Look, for me, senior day was always added motivation. It it, uh, it gave you something. It, it, it just seeing these guys, it really reinforced that it was one of the final times where you were going to get to take the field with these guys that you bled with, sweat with, and worked with uh, throughout the years. All right, we'll get T-Bob's take on what it is for these seniors and also the battle in the lines, again, very crucial today, Florida up front and LSU up front. Count you down, LSU and Florida, the 63rd meeting between the Gators and the Tigers, a shade afternoon kickoff and the point after all this evening here on Tiger Radio, WWL.